why do we do this? What's, what is this all about? And I think you know, and I think I know, but I also think it's good for us to look into the Word of God and to be reminded about it. So here's the deal. We, we consider kids' ministry and, and children as a sacred trust from God. When we get all, the kids that we have as a part of our church, we believe God has called us to reach them. We want to reach everyone we can, but we don't want to be so concerned about someone else that we miss the people God has already given us. And God has given us these children. And so I would say a lot of energy and time is going to get poured out this week into our kids. We think that's entirely appropriate. We love that. We think that's phenomenal. I also would say if you are not yet involved in kids ministry in some way, Pray about being involved in kids' ministry in some way. Maybe VBS, you can't, you can't commit to that part of the week or whatever, but maybe you can take a turn in nursery or in our toddler's class or in our preschool class or even in the go zone or on Sunday nights. You can do something to add what God has given you so that we can reach them. And we want to do that together collectively as a church. And so I want to invite you uh, to think about being a part of that. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to John 12. And then we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 5. So if you want to get your Bibles, you can go to John 12. And I just want to pull out a couple of of big picture thoughts um, so that we can kind of get ourselves. It's kind of a word that I have for our church family as we launch into this week and we get ourselves going that we don't ever lose sight of what we're doing, what we're here for. So um, summer is a time for summer camps. You guys ever go to summer camp when you were young? Anybody ever go to summer camp? Yeah? Okay, a couple of you? All right, I went to a lot of Christian summer camps. I went to uh, local Christian camps, and I went off to, there, was, uh, there were Christian camps for like uh, Awana and, and things like that. So I, I found myself several week at, weeks of the year every summer off at a camp somewhere. Uh, there was one camp where I was bullied the whole week at a Christian camp, which wasn't the best experience. Uh, but there was a, there were a lot of memories that I have from, from growing up in Christian camp. And one of them is, there's a game that you play at camp, especially as you get a little older, called Capture the Flag. Anybody ever played Capture the Flag? All right, so Capture the Flag. The idea, if you've never played it, the idea is some imaginary line is drawn down between two teams, and both teams hide their flag somewhere on their side. And then the whole game is about invading the enemy territory, finding this flag, and bringing it back into your territory. So it's a lot of stealth and and hiding. You don't want anybody to see you. Um, So you're trying to find your way to wherever that flag is. You're trying to find out where the flag is. But if you're on their side, you can get captured. You don't want to get captured. So, Or you might want to set people free or on your side. But you're trying to hide the whole time. But there comes a moment in Capture the Flag where you don't want to hide anymore. Do you know when that moment is? Not just when you have the flag, because when you have the flag, you want to hide it until you're back on your side. And then what do you do? What do you do when you've got the flag and you have successfully made it back to your side? What do you do with that flag? Right? Isn't that what you do? Here it is. I got it. You yell it out. You hold it up and everybody see you up till that point. Everything is hidden. But now you have, you have won. You have succeeded in, in capturing their flag and bringing it back. And so the first thing you do naturally, almost every single game I played, whoever captures the flag, this is what they do with it. They lift it up. 
brings my mind to thinking about when I was younger and, and we had a pool in our backyard and we would play this game. Maybe you've played this game where some adult who's tired of playing with you decides that they're going to make up this fun game where they throw things down to the bottom of the pool. You've played this game, haven't you? You throw things down to the bottom of the pool and, and the kids dive down until they get it. And, you know, I had a, an older sister and a younger brother that, that we were all pretty close in age. And so we would dive down in the pool to get it. And it was kind of a competition about who would get it first. And so when we got whatever it is off the bottom of the floor of the pool and we, we came up to the surface, what did we do with that thing? The first thing out of the water, I got it. It was me. See, I won. I won. There's something about accomplishing something about making a statement about this is what matters. This is the whole point of the game. This is what we've been trying to do. And when you succeed in it, when you get it, you want to lift it up. When you find what you're looking for, something that was the whole point of all your efforts, you lift it up almost without thinking. It's such a natural thing to do. And you are glad for people to see and know that you found it. And so the question that I have for us today, it's the question that answers why do we do all this? It's one that we answer this week as we serve families and children in VBS is this. What are you lifting up with your life? What are you holding high? What are you saying? I found it. I've been looking for it. This is what matters. This changes everything. What is your life lifting up? Have you found something in your life that you want to let everyone know about it? In the game of capture the flag, in the game of diving down the pool, when you lifted that thing up, everything changed. The game went from being in doubt and uncertainty and and everything, nobody knows how it's going to come out, to now it is finalized and settled. And everything changes. All the activity changes. Somebody who's still charging into enemy territory after someone's lifted up the flag is kind of, you know... Not with it. They missed the point, right? Everything stops. Whatever was happening, it stops because I found the flag. In your life, what matters like that? What does your life tell people matters like that? It is the thing that is the whole point. It is the thing that changes your whole life. I would say to you, every single day, your life lifts something up. How you talk, what matters to you, where your passions pour out, what you invest your time and your energy into, how you act, how you choose not to act, lifts something up. We lift up ideas every single day. And so we have a message that is pouring out of us. We tell our kids and our families and our neighbors and our coworkers something every single day by the way that we act and the choices we make. We say, I'm chasing this. I've found this. This is what I want. This is where it's at. What are you lifting up with your life? Maybe today the, what I want to do is shift from what to who. Who is the one? that you are lifting up with your life. And so Jesus has a statement in John chapter 12, and all I want to do is look at verse 32. And Jesus says this, and I think this is profound and relieving and powerful and kind of everything all in one. Jesus says this in the middle of talking uh, about heaven and all kinds of different things. He says this, verse 32, And I... When I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. 
Jesus says, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. Are we lifting up Jesus? Let's think about that. Because here's the thing. What Jesus is talking about, the next verse says it. He's talking about the the death that he would die. He would be lifted up on a cross. As a matter of fact, the questions that come back to him is, I thought the Messiah was supposed to live forever, and you're saying you're going to die. How can you be the Messiah? But in in a specific way, this is not just being lifted up in terms of getting killed on a cross high above everyone. The point of a cross and the point of that method of execution was to be public. I don't know how much you know about Roman torture techniques and what they used the cross for, but I will tell you what they used the cross for was rebels, traitors, uh, people who stirred up you know, problems in cities and towns. And so they, they came up with this idea and this way to make sure that everyone who sees that person doesn't want to do what they did. And they came up with the cross. And the cross was a thing that they would hang somebody on in public for all to see. And they expected that when you saw that person on the cross, you would respond. In a negative way, they all thought it was... They didn't want... If if someone led a rebellion against Rome, or, or there was a group of people that led a rebellion or whatever, or joined a rebellion, they would crucify all of them on the hill outside of town, and they would leave their bodies there as a warning to everyone else. You don't want to be them. They expected everybody to see it, and they expected everybody to respond. In in, in repulsion. I don't want that. It, It served as a warning. But Jesus puts a spin on this. He says, when I am lifted up, I will not repulse people. What does he say? I will draw all people to me. Jesus says, when this happens to me, the purposes of man and what they're trying to do and what they're trying to accomplish will be thwarted. As a matter of fact, I'm going to turn them upside down because when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to me when I am lifted up. And what he says is this thing, instead of being repulsive and repelling, is going to turn magnetic. There's going to be a pull as Jesus is lifted up for people to come to him. So we talk about sharing your faith. And we talk about sharing Jesus with other people. And sometimes that feels intimidating. Sometimes it feels discouraging. Sometimes it feels really frustrating because if you share Jesus with somebody who really needs Jesus and you can see it so clearly and they're like blind. Maybe there's a key here for us. Maybe it's a whole lot simpler than that. Maybe I don't have to convince somebody. Maybe I don't have to wrestle them intellectually or emotionally to the ground. Maybe what I have to do is look into this promise that Jesus said, because this is a powerful promise. And he says, if he is lifted up, he will draw all people to him. So maybe I don't have to make him attractive. Maybe he just is attractive. Maybe my role is a whole lot simpler than trying to to know the answer to some deep theological question or trying to figure out how to approach somebody on this topic or that topic or worrying about whether they'll reject me or like me. Maybe it's just about lifting him up. I really think that's what we're called to as believers. This week at VBS, we want to lift Jesus up. 
We want every single person who walks through those doors to know that Jesus is amazing, that he saves, that he heals, that he restores, that he redeems, that Jesus does what no one else can do, that he is the hope for your life and he is the hope for my life and that when we give our lives to him, he saves us completely and it's a wonderful, amazing, incredible thing. That's what we want people to know. You could, coming in today, think, wow, this church really wants people to think they're a good church. You would be wrong. I actually, and I've said this before, and I hope we all agree about this church family, I actually don't care if people think we're a good church. I mean, I would like them to, but that's not the point. The point is, what do they think about Him? Wouldn't it be a tragedy for us to give our lives to this cause, to, to pour out ourselves so that we could bring people in here and they leave with the impression that we're a good church, but not that He's a great Savior? It would lose the whole meaning. It would lose the whole purpose. It would be so empty, wouldn't it? So what we're here to do is to lift Jesus up, to make him public. Just like a cross made him public, we want to make him public. We want to make known what he has done. The the cross was about letting people know this person's misdeeds. They would hang something at the top of the cross to tell their misdeeds so that people could look at it and take warning and not follow them. On the cross of Jesus, you know what they hung over at the top of his cross? This is Jesus, king of the Jews. That was his accusation. You don't want to be the king of the Jews. This is what happens to the king of the Jews. That was the idea. But instead, Jesus says, if I'm lifted up, I will draw people to me. So when people put his deeds up on top of his lifting up, it will draw people. So we want people to know what he's done. We want people to see it. We want people to hear it. We want people to be impressed by it. We need to be impressed by it. We need to be overwhelmed by it. And we need to lift him up. So that the world sees that he is so good, that he's a good father, that he's been good to me, that he's faithful, that he's kind, that he's full of grace and mercy, that his love knows no bounds, that it never gives up on you. That's what we want people to know, right? And if we do a good job of that, Jesus says, he will draw people. Not me, not you. Jesus will. Now, you think Jesus is pretty good at pulling people in? So in other words, maybe sometimes the the thing that gets in the way of me lifting Jesus up is the thing that gets in the way of people being drawn to him. So let's put our heads around that for a second because that's kind of the challenge. What stops you and me from lifting up Jesus in our lives? I think it's this question. Who's the star of your life? Who is the point of your life? Who's in the spotlight in your life? Too often, the answer to that question is what? Me. Me. Isn't it? Well, I wonder why people aren't coming to Jesus. I wonder why I don't see anybody come to know Him. Because I want everybody to know about who? Me. Today we have more ways than ever of letting people know what I'm doing, what I'm thinking, my opinion, how smart I am, how good looking I am, how, what good things I've done, what, what good things I think. Who in your life gets the credit? Who in your life gets the glory? Who are you campaigning for? with your opportunities? Too often we follow the world and we are self-promoting. 
Maybe you don't think of yourself as self-promoting. Well, let me ask you this. How close attention are you, are you paying to what people say about you? What people think about you? Ooh, who's the point of your life? What we do, well, I don't want them to think that. I, I, I got to chase that rumor down. I got to make sure that people... When you do something good and nobody notices it, does that make you mad? Who gets the glory in your life? Well, I better. I was pretty good there, wasn't I? I did some nice things. Husbands and wives, sometimes you're like, well, I did something nice for my spouse and they didn't say anything about it. Fine, I'll never do anything nice for them again, right? <laughs> who, get, who is the point in your life? Who is the star? Who's in the spotlight of your life? One of the reasons that the church has lost its attraction is because Jesus is the one who draws and Jesus says, I will draw when I am lifted up. And the church is too consumed with lifting themselves up. Lifting our doctrine up or lifting our ideas up or lifting our political purposes up or lifting our, our, our campaigns up or our attendance sheets or our, our beautiful buildings or whatever and we don't lift Jesus up and then we wonder why nobody comes to Jesus. There are places around this world where our brothers and sisters of Christ have nothing but people come because Jesus is lifted up. I pray that we are a church that lifts him up. Maybe we are missing it. Believers, maybe we need to switch gears and let go of what everybody thinks about me. Let go of my opportunities to, to show off what my life is like and, and what I, everybody should be jealous of about me. And instead say, you know who I really want to talk about? Jesus. He is good. He's been so good to me. I would be lost without him. He meets me every single time in the middle of my mess. He guides me. He protects me. He leads me. And every single time when I turn away from him or when I take my attention off of him, I just blow it like crazy. Jesus is the one I want you to know. If you're bumping into me, it's nice that you like me or don't like me or whatever. Don't care. I am not self-exalting. I am Christ-exalting. Because if I lift him up, he will draw all people to himself. Church, do you want to lift Jesus up? Isn't that what it is? Isn't that what it's all about? Lift him up. So, look at your life. How much lifting up of Jesus is your life doing? Not theoretically. Well, I want people to know Jesus is good. Yeah. How much are you doing about that? Lifting is not a passive thing. It's not a theoretical thing. It's not a, yeah, I think Jesus is good. You know what? I believe that. All right, we're good. Lifting is active, isn't it? It's putting, it's making choices and and decisions in life that elevate Jesus with your life. How should Jesus be elevated in your life? Too often, what happens for people is we get a taste of power. We get a taste of influence. We get a taste of significance. Whether it's in a family scenario or a work scenario or a church scenario. Ooh, now I'm something. And maybe once upon a time it was all about Jesus, but now who's it all about? Me. And sometimes we don't even recognize it happening, do we? May we come humbly into the presence of our Lord and say, you must become greater and I must become less. Church, I think that the world would flip upside down if the people of God would lift up Jesus. 
Now, let's go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 because I just want to take a quick look at the practical way that this happens and, and what, the, what functionally happens because we do this, our calling and our privilege in life. I just want to notice a few things here. 2 Corinthians 5, I'm going to go from verse 16. Eventually, I'm going to go down to verse 20, but I'm going to start verses 16 and 17. Here's what it says. Paul says, So, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. All right. Lifting up Jesus, sharing Jesus with people. There's a couple things here that will keep us on track. And so as we see this world, as we look at this world, what we remember is this. If we're going to lift up Jesus, we have to see the people in this world differently than we normally would. We have to see them through a different lens. They are not just jerks, bad drivers, obstacles in my progress. They are souls for whom Christ died. Paul says, I no longer regard people through a worldly point of view anymore. I don't do it anymore because everything about how I see people has changed because I Lift Jesus up. These people that you bump into, that you're mad at, that that you're so sure that you're more right than, that you're disgusted by, that you want to throw away, Jesus died for them. Where is that? I bet you if the church stopped throwing people away and started acting like Jesus died for them, there would be a lot more lifting up of Jesus and a lot less lifting up of us. We regard no one from a worldly point of view. These people have been given the great hope of uh, eternal life through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They are offered the chance to be forgiven and born again to new life. Every single one of them. And so we go through this week and we get wrapped up in the aggravations and the irritations of life about how people get in our way about how people aren't doing what we think they should do, about how we know better than them, about how they're so dumb. About how could you post that on uh, social media? You know, what's wrong with them? Who do they think they are? Maybe that's the problem, believers. Maybe they're not the problem. Maybe that attitude, the worldly point of view that we come from is the problem. And Paul says it doesn't just change how I look at people. It changes how I look at Jesus. We once regarded Christ in this way, but we do so no longer. Jesus is not just a fairy tale. He's not just a made-up story that is supposed to make me feel good. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just a tragic story of someone who rose up to make a difference but then was killed like, like Martin Luther King or something. Jesus is someone who came to give his life and by the power of God was raised again from the dead. This is true. This happened and this changes everything. And now I want people to know that this is real. Not because I was there, but because I'm here and it's happening to me. My life can be an example of lifting him up. But see, if I'm concerned with lifting me up, it's hard to lift him up. Because one of the ways I lift him up is because I am not so good and he is so, so good. And in order for people to see how good he is, they have to understand that I'm not that good that I am lost, that I am a sinner, that I am in my flesh helpless and hopeless. 
And every time, even as a believer, every time I turn from faith in Christ back to working it out on my own in my own flesh, what happens? Paul says it. Whoever sows to the flesh reaps destruction, death. But whoever sows to the Spirit reaps life. It's just that simple. And so it makes me not look so good, but it makes him look incredible and amazing. I did nothing to earn the salvation that I've received. I've become a son or a daughter of God by an unspeakable gift. And now I've been made new. The the old is gone and the new has come. And what he's saying is there, I'm a new creation. I can live, live a new life. Not because of anything I've done, but because of what he did in me. He made me a new creation. I'm not a creator. I'm a creation. He changed me. All the way down to the very depths of my eternal identity. And in the New Testament, believers don't live by rules because we're scared to mess up because God won't love us or whatever. In the New Testament, over and over again, it's something so much more profound. It's this. You are a different person. So live like it. You are a child of God. And you didn't earn it, and He gave it to you for free. So don't go back living like the old way is the way to live. Live new in Jesus Christ because your identity is changed by being a born again. You will never be satisfied. You will never be happy living like you haven't been changed. So live like who you are. Believers, live like who you are. The old is gone and the new has come. And then he goes on and he says, okay, so if I understand that, if that's happened to me and it's changed everything about me, then I have this calling to lift up Jesus so he can draw all people to him. So keep going with me. Verse 18 down to verse 20, it says, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. There's this ministry, there's this opportunity, there is this calling that we've been given, lifting up Jesus. And what does that look like and what does it do? Paul says this, God reconciled us to himself and then he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He says it three times. He gave us this opportunity. He gave us this calling. So reconciliation, let's talk about that for just one second. Here's what it is. If your relationship with someone is broken or damaged, you have the opportunity to be reconciled to that person. Whatever was wrong, whatever hurts have been done, to be forgiven, to be addressed, to be made right somehow, some way, so that the distance and the fracture in that relationship could be put back together. It's reconciled. So marriages could be reconciled. Maybe there was an affair or there was some abuse or something and they were broken and yet there's an opportunity to be reconciled. Sometimes parents and children, there's a brokenness in that relationship and there's a calling or an opportunity to be reconciled. Or friendships, there was a betrayal or something happened and so that relationship kind of fell apart and yet now we've made it right and so we are back together. We are reconnected. We are healing. We are reconciled. This relationship is a relationship with God. And what Paul says is, God has this ministry of reconciliation. He is at the business of reconciling the world to himself. The world 
is lost. The world is broken in their relationship with God through sin. It starts way back in the garden with Adam and Eve, and it continues all the way through. We rebel against God, and that breaks our relationship with Him. And that relationship with our Creator being broken hurts every aspect of our life. We are separated from God. But now, the the, the opportunity for reconciliation through Jesus Christ. That God made a way to heal and restore the relationship that was broken. And then he says this incredible thing. That's what God is doing, reconciling people to himself. And he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. He has said, here you go. You get to do this. You get to go out to people and say, listen, whatever's wrong in your life, however far away you are from your creator, however lost you are, God made a way for you to be restored. And it isn't a way that you have to work for. It's a way you receive by faith because you could never earn it. You could never get there. It would be hopeless for you to even try. So don't try. I've given up trying. In fact, I've given up everything. We call it surrender. I've given my life to him. And guess what that got me? Life, restoration, healing, saved, restored in my relationship with God. And you can be too. God's cause in history is calling humans to be reconciled with God. You and I have been given this ministry. Well, how do I put the pieces back together with God? Jesus said, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men to me. So here's what I'm saying to you. If you want to be a part of what you have been called to, the ministry of reconciliation, what you need to simplify it down to is lift him up. Get out of the way. Stop stealing the spotlight. Stop trying to make yourself the star of the show. Stop caring what everybody thinks about you all the time. Lift him up. And I'm telling you, if we will do that, Jesus said, he will draw all men to himself. So believers, this is just a simple choice of faith. What are we going to do? Who's it going to be about? Who's going to be the headliner in our life? Us or him? As ambassadors, we represent him every day. How are we doing with that? Every single time we walk out of this building, we have the chance in the ministry of reconciliation to lift him up and to see God do this. Every single time. Every single morning we wake up. Every single time we go to school, to work, to wherever our journey takes us during the week, we have the opportunity to lift him up. And by lifting him up, to offer reconciliation with the Creator. By the grace of God, through the sacrifice of Christ and the the resurrection, to make people who are dead alive. This week, a lot of us are going to be doing that right here. And we have a privilege of lifting him up this week. And so in all the fun that we have, in all the songs that get sung, and all the games that get played, and the snacks that get eaten, and all the invitations that get out, what I want to pray is that we will lift him up in this place this week. All of you have a journey, and if you're not here this week, you've got a journey where God's asking you to lift him up. But as we close this morning, here's what I want to do. I want to ask all those of you who are involved in VBS this week, kind of as like a commissioning thing. I want to ask you to stand up and we, the rest of us, are going to pray for you, 
Okay? So if you would, just stand up. If you're involved in VBS this week, most of you have a shirt on. Yeah, okay. Now, believers, God has called us to reach people. These are our frontline people this week. So I would ask you, believers, look around. Grab somebody, not physically, but in your mind, in your mind, in your mind, that you will pray for this week. Because you know what's going to happen. God's put these people out to go serve Him on the front lines. And so on the front lines, that's where the battle is, isn't it? So there's going to be frustration this week. There are going to be obstacles this week. There's going to be discouragement this week. There's going to be not feeling well. There's going to be exhaustion. There's going to be all kinds of stuff this week. These folks need you behind them. So maybe just grab somebody in your head and go, that's the one I'm going to be praying for this week or that couple or that family. or Make a commitment that we are going to team together to support what God is doing in lifting up Jesus in this place this week. Let's bow our heads together. We'll close in a word of prayer. Let's pray for these and for this week.